0: Welcome to Shane East Meets, which is a special series from the Audiobook Lovin' podcast where I, Shane East, get to meet some of your favorite people from the romance arena of audiobooks. We hope you love this episode, and of course, the Audiobook Lovin' podcast is brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hello and welcome to the third ever Shane East Meets. Today I have with me the one and only number one New York Times bestselling author and number one Audible bestselling author, uh, which means you sell a heck of a lot of books, uh, Lauren Blakely. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: And I like to call you, actually, I have a couple of nicknames for you. I call you Spitfire and Firecracker. (laughs) Uh, and
1: I, I think those are great. I'm very happy with those nicknames. I'm very happy that I have a nickname, most of all. Uh, yeah, it's, most... it's not like a five-letter word starting with a B, so there you go.
0: <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of it. I wouldn't dream of it. Why do I call you that, though? Why do I call you Spitfire or Firecracker?
1: Uh, I think usually because my projects tend to kind of morph very quickly. And I will tell you it's going to be one thing. And then the next week, I'm like, oh, it was a scene. Now it's a novel or something. I'm always changing. I'm like, hey, why don't we record this new thing instead? Or why don't we do this in addition to it? Let's make it a series. It was once one book. Now it's 10. Yeah. And you're just kind of, I think, mostly used to that by now. <laughs>
0: I am. And I'm just laughing because how you explained why I call you that is why I call you that. <laughs> it is also because things morph and then suddenly there's this and there's like, there's a fire over here and there's another one. All good fires. are all like exciting things going on. But how you describe things is the first thing I remember when I met you, I was like, wow, she is on fire. Like when we spoke, I think it was when we spoke on the phone, You have that, you have some, there's energy. I don't know if you're like that 24 seven or you, when you go to sleep, are you done? And then you wake up and you're boom. How does it work?
1: I am, uh, my superpower is (laughs) that I can fall asleep pretty much when my head hits the pillow. So yeah, I think pretty much at the end of the day, I'm just done and I conk out. So (laughs) like like a cat in that regard, that is not a problem falling asleep. And then, yeah, usually I have, but (laughs) Sometimes quite honestly, sometimes what happens is I wake up with an idea either for a book or for the project I'm working on with you or whoever it is. And then I just kind of start going and the brain is zapping. But yes, usually my let's change the project to this emails might land in your inbox at like 11 o'clock at night.
0: <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> which probably
1: adds to the firecracker designation.
0: Mm-hmm. It's all a good thing. It's all a good thing, though. Um, and I wanted to start actually with a bit of trivia because you, I mentioned this with... Ava Harrison, and she said to me about plotters and panzers, and I was like, what on earth is a panzer?" And then I never, she told me what it is, but then I never knew where it came from, and you actually texted me, I think, or emailed me, because you'd listened to that episode. So for those who listened to that episode uh, and know what on earth we're talking about, what is, where does panzer come from?
1: So the term pantser which is how writers usually describe their writing process, either plotting or pantsing comes from the saying, which is probably more of an American saying, fly by the seat of your pants, which I then looked up because I knew that it was from there. I thought, well, where does that actually come from? And it seems like it's a term that originated when aviation began. It's kind of in reference to flying without instrumentation, which really, I think it, it perfectly <laughs> describes the process uh-huh. of writing a lot of books, especially if you're a pantser.
0: Are you a pantser or are you a plotter?
1: Uh, kind of right in the middle. It. I, I definitely have for every book a, a long synopsis for it, or well, maybe maybe it's a short synopsis compared to other authors like Christy Bromberg, who has like a one-page synopsis for every chapter, I bow down to her. She actually helped me plot out a book a couple of years ago and, and showed me her notes are very, very impressive. Uh, but yeah, I will usually have a synopsis that kind of sets up the, the setup, the meat cute, the primary problem, mm-hmm. the conflict. And I'll often have a sense of sort of what the, the main beats are and what the acts are. But then just on the process of going about, what's going to happen, I definitely give myself leeway because I feel like the characters kind of dictate it as they go. Like, I don't know, I mean, I don't know them. I get to know them to some, I get to, I know them to some degree in advance, but then I definitely feel as if they reveal themselves to me Uh during the process and they'll reveal things about the story. During the process, that I didn't know beforehand, which is one of my favorite parts of writing. It's like, well, I didn't, I didn't know that about you, Oliver, who was a character I just wrote for you. <laughs> <And Okay. laughs> I, was like, I had no idea that that happened to you. That's so interesting. Okay, let's go with that in the next chapter. Yeah. So I'll have the overall idea. And that one is a fake fiance romance. I kind of knew, like, generally what was going to happen with it. But then there's the little details. And I was like, oh, that's a delicious little detail. We'll keep playing with that. I like that's that.
0: It's interesting. Part that's awesome. Well, because it's like, that is like, I think I've mentioned that before. It's like any creative process, I feel has that element where you sort of, you have an idea. It's like one I've read, say one of your books or whatever. I have an idea of the character uh, from reading it. And then, but when I get in the booth, lots of other things seem to come out and that person sort of develops because of the way the story develops, how I say things, how I interact with other people, Uh, even though I have it in my head, kind of who they are and what they're about, a lot of stuff comes out just in that creative process, um, which I think sounds similar to what you're saying, although you ultimately give us the, (laughs) the story.
1: Well, but i think that's part of what's so enjoyable about this profession right is that and that's why we're drawn to something that's creative or artistic is that kind of serendipitous discovery like you're experiencing it in the booth i'm experiencing it in front of the computer but that's i think one of the joys of artistic creation is that moment where like well this is this isn't what i expected this is different mm. like okay i'm going to go left instead of going right and where is that going to take me and it, and it opens up like a new path in the story or a new path in, you know, in your emotional outset, uh, emotional approach to the character, for instance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's part of what I've ended up loving about this because there is all that exploratory work. Like it's written on the page, but there's, there's so many other, you know, dimensions that come to it depending on who's narrating it and, you know, their process and how they think and what they bring to the whole thing. That was interesting hearing you say that. Um, so I wanted also to discuss the Audis, cause that's, we just came back from there um, before everyone got quarantined. So we're not <laughs> gonna talk about that. We're not gonna talk about that cause that's everywhere. Everyone's talking about that. Yes. Um, but we managed to slip that one in under the radar before <laughs> we right. weren't go out anymore. Um, so was that the first time you've been?
1: So I actually uh, was fortunate that I was nominated the year before as well for a book of mine, Um, but yeah, this was uh, the first time that that was a title. I was nominated for Wanderlust, which was something that I did with Audible, but this was my first uh, owned title, if you will, that I produced Mm. entirely on my own, first ACX title. So it was definitely a very special (laughs) recognition and because it was for birthday suit and there were so many of us, it was just a, a wonderful opportunity Uh, frankly to acknowledge and toast the entire cast so yeah it was I was I it was more special (laughs) just to be totally honest Uh, I don't mean that as any disrespect to the prior title but this was uh, this was more special because of the amount of time and energy that I personally invested as well as the financial investment in the project um but also it had been a goal of mine for so long to do a full cast production. So to see it recognized and to see it recognized in the audio drama category, especially was was honestly a career highlight. It was incredibly gratifying. and It was one of those things that I had hoped for. And once Uh you hope for something so deeply, it doesn't really always happen in the way that you imagine. So I had kind of hoped for it when I started the production of it. And then once I heard it, God, this audiobook is incredible. And then you think, well, there's no way it can actually fulfill these particular dreams of being nominated for an award, which is so capricious and completely out of my control. So <laughs> for so many reasons, it was incredibly gratifying when I mean our category was amazing. We were up against Billy Crystal and Kevin Klein and Andrew Garfield and the Pulitzer Prize winning play Angels in America, which mm-hmm. is the one that took home the prize, which is just an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous story. And I you know, figured that would win and I'm sure it deserved yeah. to. So yeah, it was, re- and Jim Dale with, with Puss in Boots. So yeah, it was really incredible to be in that sort of company and to be able to bring you guys there.
0: It was, I think, yeah. And I don't think, uh, I think we were the, Only non, uh, like worldwide, you know what I mean, like actor famous kind of people. We were all all of us on it were, you know, actors, narrators, Uh, and then all these big flashy names kept popping up all around us. So uh, it was very impressive to be in there and well deserved, I think, because that was great, really great production. Um, And hats off to you. And I should just explain for anyone who's listening who doesn't know the Audis, it's basically the Oscars of audiobooks. So each year, publishers and authors put forward, you know, some of their favorite projects uh, in all different categories from best male, best female, best humor, best drama, Uh, runs through a whole lot. And we have a whole evening and everyone drinks champagne and sees who wins, right? Um, And that's where we were. Uh, And yes, you very kindly took a bunch of us uh, out there um, to New York uh, to do the award thing, so uh, that was wonderful. But you also had to present, didn't you? I yes, saw you. That was. I a saw blast. you disappear from the side of me. You were off.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was asked to present a couple awards, which was really, uh, which was quite an honor. I was, I was delighted to do that. That I didn't expect that, so that kind of <laughs> gave an extra, extra bit of fun. Did you want to evening. poop your pants?
0: That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> or did you feel born to it. You're like, oh, I should be on it. This. this is where I'm meant to be. <gasps>
1: <laughs> I was, the funny thing is, I was actually more nervous than I expected I would be to present. Mm. And in my prior life, before I was a, an author, I'd done a lot of conferences and presentations and you know, ran panels and spoke in front of groups. So it was something that I had been pretty comfortable with. <laughs> It's actually really. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is the first time I'm going up in front of these people who speak for a living, and I'm like, really hope I don't mess it up. Because so in the past, when I have done a conference or panel, i talking. It would be would have been talking to uh, advertisers because that was the industry that I that I worked in and for. Uh, working as a, working as an author So mm. I was talking to media executives. So we I was like, oh God, now I'm going to have to go talk in front of people who talk for a living. <laughs> like I got I a bunch of words. That was my biggest worry for the night, <laughs> <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I, think,
0: I think there's something about being in front of your peers that, or you know, like, cause I've, I've had that when I first did um, like a voice job where there was 20 of us in a room, uh, not a book, like it was for a film. And I remember, I went. was like, this is what I do. Like, you know, (laughs) I've been doing this for years. And then, but I shat myself for a minute when I got up there. So I was like, I don't know what it was about all eyes on me and everybody's in the business and... The producers and stuff and you know we had to do some noises and i was like i don't think i can breathe that well <laughs> which is like the number one thing i need to do <laughs> for my job
1: exactly <laughs> i was nervous about everything i had basically two lines and i was so worried the teleprompter wouldn't work so I was like, I memorize your lines you can do this <laughs> which you i did, did. great you i did, did great. memorize thank you did great you. and okay.
0: you came out with a great picture from the, the <laughs> event so the photographer took that uh, view at the podium, right, from the side because I recognized it on your Twitter. I was like, fuck, that's a good picture.
1: Well, I had a very good dress, so I was, yeah. quite, I was quite happy about that. And yes, then I, then I made that my profile picture. <laughs> Looked like I'm President Blake. Oh, or something. As I,
0: <laughs> you look like you're running for presidency. <laughs> that's yeah, what I thought. I, I was <laughs> like, "Oh, yeah, should, one day, one day. Um now, one last question I had on the, that was why you chose Birthday Soup because was it because it's your was your first huge kind of multi production or what was the reasoning behind choosing that one?
1: Well, I submitted it in a few different categories and I I loved it. I mean, I chose it. I had four different titles that I nominated in romance and it was one of them but I also nominated it in audio drama because of the nature of the production. And then I also nominated it in best book of the year, which I did not expect it. I, that I did it, but I only did it to like make a point and draw attention to it. Like I knew it uh-huh. wasn't going to be nominated for best audio book of the year, but I wanted to actually write up and explain everything I had done for it because I just wanted the APAs to be aware of the things that independent authors could do and that they will do in certain cases for certain books but it was just something that i really believed in i love the story i thought it was it's one of my favorite books that i've written it you know just has, it's a little bit of a second chance element it has friends to lovers it kind of pulls on your heartstrings a little bit because there's you know there's some prior loss uh, that that the characters go through and it just i thought had this great cast of supporting characters. So yeah, it was just, Mm -hmm. it was one of those stories that felt a little bit like magic while I was writing it. So it was very special to me. And then I remember too, speaking of being nervous, I remember being so nervous when Tyler, who you know well, who's my producer and my sound editor, sent me the first files. And I was just like, God, I hope I don't hate it. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. I was like, I want to love this so much. I really hope I don't hate it. <laughs> you know? Which is sometimes how I feel if I'm requesting like an audition from a narrator. It's like, God, I love this person's work. Oh, I hope it doesn't suck with they audition for me. And that was how I felt. I had just these, these nerves. And then I remember hearing it and I thought, oh my God, this is better than I even expected it. I was just like emailing him the whole time while I was listening to it. Like, oh my God, they sound great together. The scene is so good. Doesn't it sound fantastic? It sounds amazing. So yeah, it, I mean, the whole production sort of delighted me from the beginning, which is also why I did it because I love audio books and I love theater mm-hmm. and I really enjoy hearing all of your voices. So it was easy to kind of put all of that uh, love and joy and passion into the project.
0: And that was your was that was your first big multicast was it or am i wrong? No that you've was done the first. Some since.
1: I I did a test one that was 15 minutes. I tested the short story that was connected to my book uh, Big Rock. So I kind of tested that to see how it would sound and once I and when it sounded quite good that was a bonus in another audiobook uh, then uh, Tyler and I and Andy Ar, who's involved in most of my productions, were comfortable like, "Okay, let's do it. Let's make the big full cast. One happens, yeah, this was the first one.
0: Oh, yeah. well, and did you decide to do multicast? Was that like a creative decision or was it a sort of business or both? Because you know I know you've you've really moved with the times of you know audiobooks becoming so popular. Um, and I'd say out of people I work for, especially in romance, you're the only one I think I've done a multicast for. I've done some duet, but a uh, multicast. So I didn't know I, if that came about, if that's because you saw an opening, an opportunity to move things further, or it, by accident or what, how did it come about to do that?
1: I think it started as a creative, I don't even want to say exercise, but more of a creative desire. I had listened to a few multicast productions. I had listened to a production of Murder on the Orient Express. It was a, a, a slightly adapted version for multicast. And I think Tom Conti, to check that, look that up on Audible, I think he was the lead actor in it, but there was really a fantastic cast. It, it sounded terrific. And, and that was one of the ones that I listened to. There was also another one that was, is it, a very quirky type of book, but Paul Rudd had, had been in it. It was sort of like this two hour thing that had to do with the story of Albert Einstein's life. These were things that I was listening to to kind of see how it sounded. Mm. Uh, and there was another Audible original that was a sci-fi type of thing, which isn't normally a genre that I listen to, but I, I had listened to all of those in advance to see how they sounded. And I just responded to them and connected to them as a, a spectator, as an audience member, and I thought, well, this is kind of a dream of, <laughs> kind of a dream of mine. It's sort—I I mean, look, it all stems from my love of theater. I, I love musical theater, especially. That's kind of my, you know, sort of like besides my dogs and my family, but something that's like purely mine, like great pleasure in life, right? Is musical theater. Mm-hmm. This book is obviously not a musical, but it's something that I really, truly enjoy my whole life since I started going, since I went to, you know, to. Um, Filler on the roof when I was ten, candlestick playhouse. Dad took me loved it. And this was sort of my chance. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not an actor. I did dabble in that a little bit after college. Not for me. Um, I very much enjoy writing and controlling things. So kind of being in charge and writing. Yeah, it was no control it was- as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> no control at all. As an actor. I want all the control. <laughs> so it sort of marries all of these things that I, that I love from a business point of view, but especially from a creative point of view. So I knew it was going to be a bit of a risk, but it was something that I really wanted to do and it paid off. So, yeah, you know, did a it's, few more.
0: yeah it's, yeah, we, yeah, we have, we have, um, but yeah, you, you were the first, uh, romance one, I think. I mean, that, I don't know. Maybe there are other multicasts um, like Audible, or but you're the only independent person I think that I know who's, who's a, done one.
1: Amy Dawes has done some. She done did some. one with yeah. She did one with four actors. I know that Audible has since done one. I think it's uh, AI. I'm, I'm probably not getting the title exactly right. I think it's it, it's either AI or has AI in the title. Mindy Kaling had a small. Part yeah, in it, but yeah. it was one that they. But yes, that was produced by Audible, and there certainly are the duet productions. But yeah, I don't think there are a lot of people.
0: Not who to are the doing number of yet. people that you've involved in it. So it, it's great because yeah, because it's only been publishers uh, I've worked with so far that started doing that some years back. Um, like you said, maybe with more celebrities, or but also just certain books they started to dabble with it, um, and it's obviously taken off. So.
1: And then we had instant gratification together.
0: We did, which was, (laughs) which I loved doing that. Uh, I was exhausted, uh, but I (laughs) loved doing it. It really was. Um, That was great. What was it about romance then that kind of brought you over to the, the darker side?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, I love, I love romance. I, I love romantic comedies, watching them. I've always enjoyed reading stories that, are are either straight up romance or have a romantic aspect to them. Uh, I especially love comedy. So yeah, it was sort of a natural fit for me. It was what I always wanted to write. And I like writing something people can escape into. I really, truly enjoy sort of presenting I truly enjoy presenting a New York City that doesn't have garbage on the streets or a Paris where nobody (laughs) smokes, you know? I do, and I sort of love kind of, you know, (laughs) really creating this whole world that is, uh, that is beautiful, I hope, but also Mm -hmm. giving the opportunity for the happy endings. I mean, I've just always enjoyed it. When, when Chiclet became a thing in sort of the early 2000s with, Emily Giffen and Sophie Kinsella and Jane Green, I devoured that genre. I might actually, I don't know if I'm getting the the dates right for that. I think Emily Giffen first started publishing in the early 2000s. I was completely drawn to those stories and fell in love with them. So yeah, I'd always, I think I'd always figured that I would do that and I had actually started my career writing kind of some chicklity type of things mm. that I could not sell to New York publishing so I moved to a different genre and then when I then I then when I saw the indie explosion I was like oh this is actually maybe time to dust off those novels that I wrote in 2006 2007 2008 and update them and all that jazz so that did kind of that so it kind of I think it was where my heart was always supposed to be. I guess um, uh-huh. it's a great fit.
0: Yeah, and did, was there a, was there a, obviously it's a great fit. <laughs> uh, it's worked out really well. Um, but was there a point when you tipped over into full time, Lauren Blakely, or did you just go for it? I don't know. I don't really know how that how that works. Like, did you just test it out, or did you you know kind of go full romance?
1: So when I wrote my first romance novel, which was released in January 2013, and at the time it was titled Caught Up in Us, which I only mentioned because I re-released it this past year and I gave it a new title, The Second Chance Plan, because I revised it extensively and fixed some problems with the story. I basically told myself that if I sold 10,000 copies, I would write the next book <laughs> and I did. So I was like, okay, I'll do the next one. So I kind of set these different, and mind you, a number of those copies were at 99 cents. So I wasn't making a ton of money. I just wanted to see if there was actually enough of an audience to try to build off of, and there was. So I, I wrote the next book and then I wrote the next one. And it, then as luck and a fortune, <laughs> Would have it, my books really took off with a book in 2014 called Night After Night uh, in my Seductive Night series. And that kind of became popular enough for me to, to begin putting most of my energy into writing romance and less into some of the reporting that I was still doing for the first two years. So I think it was probably 2015 when I went full time as an author and no longer did any of the. Journalistic
0: assignment anymore. Yeah, there's that there's that interim sort of phase, I guess. Exactly. And you (laughs) full time plunge. So that's and is it like a tipping point? I've never because it's a bit different for. I mean, I feel like I experienced a bit of a tipping point with Shane, where suddenly you know more and more people were requesting and everything. But like you're saying with that book, was it like suddenly a tipping point where the sales just took off and then you just it was. Boom, you'd kind of arrived after all yeah. that work that went into it beforehand, obviously.
1: Definitely, yes. It was definitely it 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 took off and it it did quite well. And it, <laughs> uh, it it made a difference for my family, which I'm very, very grateful for. So, yes, there was it was a noticeable difference with Night After Night, and it had a sequel after this night, and and that performed quite well as well, and was my first. Book to hit the New York Times at full price, which was which was great because I'd hit previously at 99 cents. Of course, right. this was back when indie could actually hit the New York Times, which hasn't happened recently, but that's a story for another time. And that's okay. I'm I'm grateful for all of the times that I that I had hit in the past. So I'm not, not complaining. It's just just an acknowledgement that things have changed since then. Uh, so yeah, it was really gratifying to uh, to be able to hit at, at, at a regular price and and then i thought well okay i'll give them a third novel so i remember i wrote the wrote the third book for that couple in about nine days and, wow all right here you go here's another one so yeah and that that i think started drawing more attention to my books and and then then I then I started to segue into more of romantic comedy after that, and that's the stuff we've done together has pretty much all been in the you know sexy romantic comedy genre.
2: Yeah. Whereas, was, whereas
1: some of my earlier books were a little bit more. Uh, the night after night books were were more sort of like sensual. I mean, it's not like you're reading anything chaste in my books, but they were probably more erotic romance. <laughs> so
0: they were a little. Anthony. They weren't like what Louise... I still love Louise's Bay's description of bonk busters. You never, wrote, you never wrote bonk busters.
1: Every time she says that. It's such a great term.
0: That's her description of Jackie Collins' kind of Jilly Cooper stuff. Uh, but you never did bonk busters. But are you saying that they were a bit more racy than... Because I know you as... I feel of you... If your books that I've worked with were movies, they'd be something like When Harry Met Sally kind of, you know what I mean? They're not super racy, but they probably have more sex in it than When Harry Met Sally, because there's no, I don't think you see anything in that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I always think of the story kind of goes along those sort of lines, rom-com-y with, you know, something a bit racy in there, but not super, super racy.
1: Yeah, I think my earlier stuff was, more especially the seductive night series it was definitely racy but it also just had a different vibe it was a little mm. bit more like drama and suspense a more soap opera but the things that i've been working on since big rock have been more more puns more humor more straight up tropes it's you know the fake fiance more dick jokes you know just more like Mm. man about town you just kind of that sort of thing just like a little bit punnier hopefully
0: (laughs) i think so i think so (laughs) yeah i get it that's it it's interesting because everyone has their own reading a lot of stuff it's like there's a real variant of you know where things lie or how humorous they are or how more dark they are whatever um but that's part of why i really like doing yours because i do think there's always a lot of humor in there um and not uh what's the word uh they are dramatic but there's not like um i don't know like drama maybe for the sake of drama does that mm-hmm. make sense yeah, uh, yeah so which i like uh, in your stories very much um now as a as you obviously you became a full-time romance writer did you ever have to uh, come out as one to friends, family, whatever. I don't know, you know, um, like I've said on here, my parents don't know, but it's not that I've never told them that I read romance. It's just not something we <laughs> it's not a genre we discuss or I would say, Oh Mum, you should have a look you should listen to this. Uh so I just wonder with other people if they ever if that's ever a thing. No
1: so much because I was pretty open about it from the get-go. And I think probably because I always enjoyed reading romance that if I had been passing on a book recommendation to a friend, sometimes it would be in that genre. So I didn't think it surprised anybody, but I definitely think for a while there, when I was first kind of making the transition to, to writing in romance, you know, there, you definitely encounter people who just get such joy out of calling it erotica. Like all, they want to, you know, all they want to do is like introduce you as the erotica writer. And I want to be like, seriously, do you want to get into this? Would you like to know the differences in the genre? Because I'm really happy to sit here and go through and tell you the difference between sexy romance, which is what I write, erotic romance, which I don't really write that often, and then erotica. They're very different things. And I actually do know the differences because I've had to argue with Amazon about them. <laughs> so it's a little bit frustrating at times, but I think it's just that's how society is there is that sort of like oh "Oh my gosh she's writing about sex right Uh, yeah my family is incredibly supportive I mean my children I think they're teenagers still find it (laughs) kind of amusing funny story my son who's now in college went to an all boys high school and <laughs> was right when Big Rock came out. I don't know if you know what the first line of Big Rock is, but you should read it. People will enjoy hearing it from your voice much, much more than, <laughs> much more than mine. I'll give you, I'll give you the line, Shane. Would you like to say it?
0: Okay, go on. My dick
1: then. is fucking awesome.
0: <laughs> say it
1: for the ladies. Come on.
0: <laughs> My dick is fucking awesome
1: to be everyone's ringtone now.
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, so when his friends found out his mom wrote Racy Romance and they looked that up, oh my God, they just kept saying that line to him over and over. Oh! So we had a blast and we started, my husband and I kind of jesters. We started calling our yes. son Little Rock.
0: Like, what are oh. like, oh,
1: you doing Little Rock?
0: <laughs> How did he take to that?
1: He has a very thick skin, which I think he has to being our son. I was so. going to say probably, probably. <laughs> he Definitely asked you. So, yeah, I think it was actually a, I don't he dealt with it pretty well and I think if you have the resilience to go to an all-boys school, you have to be used to that sort of yeah. not that sort, but really probably any sort of joking and ribbing. So, it, it was it was sort of his hazing, if you will
0: yeah i mean any chance boys we get at that age to take the piss out of each other it's just free for all so you know that's (laughs) that sort of thing is gold Built his character yeah he's a strong resilient man uh he probably shouldn't say the word dick and doesn't care yeah it's great
1: (laughs) I have trained him to be able to say that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no hang-ups, all good. Um, But it's true, people, I think people, I've said that on this podcast before, people gravitate towards the, my friends gravitate towards saying that immediately if they introduce me, that, you know, uh, yeah, and they call it like erotic or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, no. There's a lot of there's a lot of variants. There's a ton of stuff. There's all things going on, but they like to hone in on that. But I guess that's human nature, isn't it? If you're supposed to be I outside of so. it. it's like sex yeah. and titillation. It's like, oh. <laughs> um, and
1: you want to say, I bet it's on your Kindle or your Audible app, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Well I still say the the one where they put it on at a party, I, I did I, I wasn't that happy about for a second. <laughs> Suddenly heard myself talking about her this and that and it's <laughs>
1: yeah, getting hot in here. <laughs>
0: mm, mm, yeah, what the fuck? Uh anyway, so now going back to um some books and stuff, um what you've described yourself to me as I want to ask you about this, uh a fussy bee. Uh, when it comes to accents. <laughs> <laughs> you said this to me the other day on a text. Because <laughs> I also know, because Louise, I've said Louise Bay, she specifically will tell me not to do any regional accents. Because what did she say in our podcast? You told me. Is it something about I'll run amok with them if she doesn't oh tell God. me? Wait, like,
1: What did she say? Oh, it was so funny. She was, it was...
0: She's so dry. I know
1: she's so great. I love her sense of humor. I love <laughs> her. Yeah, yeah. She had a she had a great way of putting it. I'll have to. I think I texted you, so I'm gonna have to look it up and see exactly what she said. But it was like such a perfect Louise Britishism, and I'm like, oh my god, I have to message him about this because this I'm very. I think I'm very similar to her. Without obviously, I I don't have her ear, and I don't know the distinctions and the different. British accents, as, as as you have learned, sometimes I think I want something. And I'm like, oh, wait, actually, I don't. But I do know what I like and what I don't like. And I don't really, for at least for my characters, I really don't like, as, as you know, I've like beaten you down with this don't do posh ever.
2: <laughs> yes. I think it
1: sounds like your Randy uncle, you know? I think if there's something that's like super posh and we're getting to the sexy scenes and he keeps saying like, something really naughty i feel like it's like someone's randy uncle saying these really naughty things
0: <laughs> <laughs> so louise feels that that way too right. uh but i i it's interesting because other people i'd say other people don't i've written stuff or i've read stuff rather uh, that's been written and uh they've asked they're like you know to, and it's not um uh regency or anything it's not like uh old school stuff is actually modern but they went to a posh school and they want them to sound you know kind of posh and Uh, I I, I kind of veer on your side a little bit and I tend to not make my guys posh even if they're supposed to be posh I don't go too posh because I agree it starts to sound it just doesn't sound as sexy but I don't know but maybe that's just our us that's our ear because maybe there's a whole host of people out there who like a very well spoken (laughs) (laughs) British gentleman to get down and dirty, I
1: don't know I just want a dirty Brit
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I guess your writing as well is always, we've discussed it, is a lot more, uh, it's very modern and stuff So it lends itself to like a a modern British chap as opposed to someone who sounds like they popped out of Eton. Uh, well,
1: and I remember when I sent you the prologue to Instant Gratification and you had, I, you had, I think, recently finished something for Laura Lynn Page, who I adore. And she, I don't think she writes posh so much, but no. we, she writes a, a darker type of romance. She writes mm. these kind of like very alpha controlling men. And I was listening to that book. I, I think it was um, Sweet Liar. And really, really enjoying it. And then you sent me back the instant gratification prologue and I was like, oh my God, there's like two different Shaneese, which is great. That's what I wanted. Cause I didn't, yeah, I didn't want you to sound like that type of hero because it was just, it was different. He was living in London. He was very wealthy, he was a media executive. And I'm like, I want you to be just like, like this guy in New York city who happens to be yeah. British, right? Like that's kind of what I want. And you got it right away. But I think it was also written. Yeah. But <laughs> that, that, that's how I write, you know, and that, that's the type of guys that, that, that I write. I think w- with Instant Gratification, I'm not going to say it was like the British big rock. It's not. But it's like that type of guy. It's just the guy in the city. And that's, uh, that's what I was trying to capture. And you sort of knew exactly what kind of tone to give it and how to play it so that he sounded exactly... Exactly the way you sounded in my head when I was writing it.
0: This
1: perfect. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. Thank God. Thank God it all worked out. Worked out
2: great. For me
0: too. Um, yeah, no, Laureline's stuff is, uh, yeah, definitely darker. And I guess sometimes it, it lends itself when characters maybe are a little bit older uh, uh, and, you know, a little bit more that way. But I always feel that if I have to be posh, then I tend to make sure my voice is quiet uh what's the word domineering maybe yeah <laughs> tend to drop a little bit and get a little bit more gruff uh so it takes the edge off the poshness but who knows anyway one question i had for you also is because you have i have, have been privileged to work with you a lot now um you seem to have a lot of fingers in a lot of pies um which isn't an innuendo um <laughs> but <laughs> you do because there'll be like emails coming but all stuff how, how, how do you even start a series and do you always have a few on the go?
1: Wow, that's a good question. I I find that <laughs> well, okay, so we have a couple of projects coming up that are sort of part of a series.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think what usually, and I and I, I can I can get into their names in, in in a few minutes. But I think what sometimes happens is there will be a side character who kind of pops up, which goes back to the earlier things we were talking about with serendipity. That all of a sudden a, a side character will pop up, or an idea will come from some other place, and then suddenly I'm going in that direction as well, and maybe adding a third book, or maybe doing a a spin-off to something just kind of, kind of depending on how it all plays out and, and what the characters reveal about themselves. I will generally, when I'm doing a rom-com, I find that, that my readers and my listeners, they do sort of like them to come in threes, if that's possible, like in a nice sort of like three book or, you know, series of standalones works pretty well for my listeners. So generally, there will be some connectedness to them, even though they're pretty much almost always standalones. But I'll usually send people into you know into the next book in the series. But then we've also been working on some things because you're on a re-record that I'm doing, which we can talk a little bit about that if you want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which is yeah. why, which is one of the reasons we have so many projects going on right now.
0: <laughs> I see. Yeah. But do you, uh, But we will talk about uh, what we're what we're working on in a sec. But are you? But do you swap between the two? That's one thing. Um, like, would you have something going on, and then, like, you'll work on that for a bit in the morning, and then maybe in the afternoon you're on another project, or is that a mind fuck? Do you kind of? I
1: really prefer to just do one book at a time. It's better, I think, for my brain and my creativity and it's just generally my preference to kind of stay in one story i recently finished that a book that you and andy are doing Dear sexy ex boyfriend but i was also working on another book at the same time and that was kind of Definitely a little bit of you know, feeling a little schizophrenic, a little bit like I was all over the place. Cause I would work on work on this one book during the day, and then I would have ideas for another book, and they would come at night, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night and like write a scene on my phone or something. <laughs> so it definitely it got a little crazy uh, at times. And I sort of had to, and I was, I was, I loved your sexy ex-boyfriend, and I was also grateful when I finished it so that I could kind of just Dive back into this other story and just really focus on finishing that one because I think I do better when I can. When I can just maybe write four thousand words a day in one story instead of trying to do two thousand a piece in each one, and especially because I just want to keep each voice separate and unique and distinct. So it's it's much easier for me. Other writers. Can probably straddle that more easily. It's easier for me to kind of keep each voice separate and distinct if I'm just staying in one story at the moment and then moving on to the next one. But you can't control the muse, Shane. Sometimes she just (laughs) appears and you have to honor her and serve (laughs) her. That is your duty as a creator. (laughs) Fine, (laughs) muse. You're keeping me very busy lately, but I will listen to you. What can you do, right? You just say thank you. you." You're like, thank you for giving me this idea. I I feel blessed to be able to write it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's i i i feel you on the on this side of the fence as well it's like i've had to sometimes swap between projects and do a bit of this and a bit of that and i don't in i that's my least preferable mm. way of doing it like i like the same it's kind of i like to stay in this that one book like and perform that book um but you know sometimes it does it comes that you have to be preparing something else and then you're good going and recording that one and then you know they're all over the place but keeping them separate gets a little bit of a head fuck so it's nice when they're not doing that and you can concentrate on the one thing but you're also I think you're you're writing stuff but then you're also always planning other stuff right so you might be creatively writing one thing but there's other stuff kicking off that you're planning Or is that just at the minute? Because there's a lot of planning going on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also know I have to book my favorite narrators in advance. So Mm -hmm. I sort of have to think ahead. Yeah, I mean, usually, I mean, generally, I'm trying to just write one book at a time. But I'm looking ahead to what I'm going to be working on in the next month, and the month after that, and thinking about the narrators. I mean, right now, uh, I'm working on a, a book for you. And then when I finish that, I'll be working on a book that joe arden and andy are narrating and i booked joe and andy for it maybe in december i think (laughs) so three months ago so knowing they'll be recording it probably in may so i think it's just a matter of especially because with audio having become so much more important over the years you really have to be thinking that far ahead and i'm generally writing i think probably about four to five months ahead of publication. That that's the goal. Sometimes it's six months if, if I if I can really get ahead. But every now and then I'll have a I, I might have a project for Audible and the lead times are much longer. So sometimes I have to, you know, work on something for that's coming out in nine months and then get back to the thing that's coming out in five months. But yeah, generally. And then when I finish you know, the book after that I'm working on, then I'll be working on my September release. So, and that's really the key is then I have to think, okay, who's going to narrate the September release? Because if it's going to come out in September, I'll probably want you guys to be recording it in late July so that there's enough time to have the audio ready and do a pre-order and all of that stuff. So yeah, you really do kind of have to be thinking pretty far ahead and, and getting your favorite narrators booked in advance so that you have them when you finally do get to ready. And then I also, almost always cast before I start writing, which really helps me, I think, to be able to, it helps me to hear your voice as I'm writing. And I think hopefully makes it even easier to read. But I do like to hear the narrator's voice in my head as I'm writing. And and I do, I think it's one of the joys. It's almost like I get to hear it twice. Like I get to hear your voice in my head as I'm writing these British characters. And like, oh, then I get to hear your actual voice after you've read it. And I'm listening to the audio book so,
0: yeah. Like a, like a and it does different. it does make, I would say it does I you can notice it sometimes on uh on my end it does um I think I said that to you recently was it my french kisses is that the, Oh yes
1: the, yes your french kisses yeah And
0: I said that would just f- fell out like <laughs> sounds disgusting <laughs> 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 Just flopped it on the table No it just literally um it did I was just like it was so easy to read which was a joy um, which isn't to say other books aren't a joy, but like, it just was, I was like, oh, wow, boom. And I think some of that is that when you've worked with somebody and like you've said, you've listened to me a lot and stuff. And if you're writing with me in your head, uh, I definitely noticed it on my end. Well,
1: that book actually started first out of a desire to have another audio project with you. It was, it was kind of funny because now I think we've got like five books coming up or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But at the time when I booked you on it, which was probably back in October or November, or it might've been November cause I think it was right around Sova's. So I, I remember saying, okay, I want to, I, I want to do a short story for this character of yours. Cause there was a character uh, that you played a, in a supporting role in one night stand in. And I thought, well, it'd be so fun to give him a short story. And I, I don't have any book planned for Shane in 2020, and that's just a sin. So at least I'll get this book. So I, I sort of wrote it specifically so I could have at least, a, and it wound up being about an hour 20. So it's sort of like a novelette, if you will. Mm. Uh, so, we, so I conceived of it for that very reason. So I wanted to have something with you and Aaron. So hopefully that made it even easier to, <laughs> I, I have to imagine in a way that played a part because that was the genesis, the genesis of the story. It was like, well, I'm going to write something for Shane and Aaron. Like that's yeah, what I want. Yeah. Like that was actually the business goal, but behind that project was to have something. And yeah, so I'm glad it was, yeah. glad no, it was it did, it did
0: it was really enjoyable and it, it did it. And I, yeah, and it was it's that kind of character that I guess also we've spoke about a lot, you know, that kind of more of a London lad and stuff. It just and uh, I found it, yeah, I really slid straight into that and really enjoyed and
1: it. and Erin is such an interesting creative person because she and I were speaking at service as well. and. She's a playwright in addition to being a narrator. But we were talking about stories that don't need to be as long. Like I kind of knew it would take place mostly in one day in Paris. And, you know, then there's a few months of them trying to find each other and all of that. But that it wasn't designed to be um, this roller coaster with lots of ups and downs. That it was sort of designed to be like just this flash of a type of story, like a firecracker. It bursts and it's bright and beautiful and then it fades. And it was, back to the firecracker analogy. (laughs) But then like some stories are like that. Like it didn't have to be, uh, it, it didn't have to be a novel but this but the, the story could be told in 12,000 words and it was really interesting to talk to Aaron as well while I was in the process of writing it and kind of have that whole sort of like idea of like a flash of a story and a firecracker while I was writing it. So yeah, I think you both were sort of influential and
0: in how
1: <laughs> and how it all how it all came together. My muses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a firecracker story. I like that. Uh yeah, but it's true that, now that you know, they don't all have to be um super long and stuff. And that just was yeah, just really lovely to to do and uh and I'm sure listen to. I, I've heard a lot of very positive responses. Um, about it. It
1: has great reviews.
0: Yeah which is always really nice um, and I actually one question I have to ask you while well, I have you before we go is um, you s- I was looking through your list of titles yesterday on Audible uh, am I correct in thinking you're very partial to a, a half naked torso shot <laughs> for your cover art <laughs> there's a lot of naked blokes on here uh, <laughs> And there's some missing ones, And then it goes back to, there's quite a few. I mean, am I right or am, am I off the mark?
1: No, I'm sitting in my office right now surrounded by posters that my husband had made of my six big rock books, which are all man candy.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's what works in the genre for the most part. It's at least what works in the genre for the type of books that I write. I have dabbled in other types of covers. I tried an illustrated cover last year because that was, this trend in the industry. And it's mm. certainly still a trend. I, I originally tried an illustrated cover for a novella of mine called special delivery. And uh, it just didn't really, it was really cute, but it didn't quite look right with the other books in the series. And when I switched to a guy, I saw a market difference in pre-order. <laughs> okay. People, that's what you can have. Uh, so yeah, it's just part of the brand now. Although uh-huh. I, I, I have a, a line of books, that is a little bit sexier called My After Dark Books. And those actually have women on the covers. I think they're very sexy and sensual in a different sort of way. The first one is The Engagement Gift. Well, that's actually just a pair of shoes. And then The Virgin Gift has a little bit of the woman in there. And then there's The Decadent Gift. And I'm doing two more in that genre, which you will probably be narrating one of those. Oh. Let's <laughs> cut out of the bag there. Uh, <laughs> those ten, but it sort of fits with what those storylines are a little bit more about exploration of fantasies, usually initiated by the woman. They're, they're sort of, I mean, obviously, the man clearly plays an important role, but they're sort of like these very, it's all about the, the, the storylines really are focused on the heroines uh, exploring whatever their sexual fantasies are and kind of having that freedom and finding the hero that is willing to try the different things that they want to try. So that's why uh-huh. those skew a little bit more feminine on the covers. But yeah, um, half-naked hot guys are great.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> sex sells if it's uh, great.
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> but is your uh, just asking you, cause I didn't know about that. Is your other after dark line, is it under Lauren Blakely or do you change it?
1: You know, no, I, I do. Yeah, I do those as, as, as Lauren Blakely. I just branded them a little bit differently. Because the first book in that line, and I didn't know if I was going to write more, but it was actually sort of a surprise hit uh, last summer. It was called The Engagement Gift. And it was a, a menage story. It was the first time I had, it was male, female, male. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means the guys don't touch. Uh, so MSM, <laughs> for those who don't know the designation, but that was the heroine. Herald- oh, I didn't know
2: that. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs>
1: so MSM is the guys don't touch, MMF is the guys touch, and one of them touches the girl, or maybe they both do. But
2: uh, anyway.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about you learn something new every day.
1: And then sometimes there's like MM. I was like, oh my God, that poor woman. Wow. This really, must be exhausted. I don't know if she's doing all that. <laughs> Busy stuff happened. <laughs> anyway so because that was different for my readers and I hadn't uh, I had never done anything beyond two bodies in the bedroom I really wanted it to have a different look and different feel and different brand so it became the Lauren Blakely After Dark books and mm-hmm. And people, people really enjoyed it. <laughs> like, oh, okay, there's Lily taking both at the same time. Go Lily! <laughs> <laughs> like, Lauren, when's the next one? Okay, I'll write you another
2: one. <laughs> but,
1: they, but they're fun. They're fun to write because it's a different sort of approach. I'm not like a tied into tropes per se, because yeah. those really are more, there's a story, but, but it really is rooted in uh, sort of the exploration of these fantasies and, and what that does to either the couple if they're already together or people who are coming together, or whatever it might be. So,
0: Do you find, yeah, is that a, does that cross over with your, you know, I mean, more mainstay, maybe what I've done with you, that kind of work? Do this, The same listeners, I'm saying, do they follow you into that one or do you then pick up a bunch of new people or... Uh, I
1: think there are a lot of the same listeners. I, I generally release those books because they tend to be just a little bit shorter. They tend to be probably four or five hours in audio. I generally release those directly into Audible Escape. Hmm. But I think in audio, there, uh, it's, it's definitely a lot of the same listeners or people who like the narrators or maybe they're trying you for the first time. I think that the audience is similar enough To my other titles because they really do adhere to a lot of things that my other books adhere to, you know, good guys with hearts of gold, dirty Mm. talkers, strong heroines and all of that. It's just, you know, it's just the, the, the sex scenes are a little bit racier and they're not quite as punny basically are, are sort of, to be quite honest, the key, the key differences among them. And, and, and I released them on the non-audio side in Kinzel Unlimited. So you can kind of attract Sort Of a, right. a, different, a different type of audience on, on the ebook side, but we're focused on audio. So, Elena Wolf and Teddy Hamilton have narrated the first set, but yeah, I have to write a, like a hot British guy for the next one.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, sign, sign me up.
1: Right? Uh, what is it? Like male,
0: female, male, female, male, male. <laughs> 17 people. It'd be exhausting.
1: Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll put you in a reverse harem or something.
0: <laughs> I'd never heard that expression till recently, actually. It's about a year ago. Someone was like, is it a reverse harem? And I was like, what is that? Uh So I feel like I learn things all the time still, even though I've been working in this a ton. Um Now. Before we wrap it up, but what do you want to speak about that you, or what can you speak about that you've got coming up, um, either that we're working on or other stuff or whatever it is.
1: So we have, so one of the things that we're working on is I'm doing a complete re-release of my it was previously my sinful night series it was a four book series that came out originally in 2015 and 2016 and i bought the audio rights back and rewrote the books from third person into first person and updated the storylines just kind of made them more thrilling and exciting and all of that so and that's actually and there's a, a, an additional fifth book now so that's going to come out in may as the sinful Men series and i thought well all of the heroes were American, but I, I made sure to have one of the supporting characters who plays a key, ro- who plays a key role is Irish. So people get to hear Irish Shane. So that'll be good. Yes. <laughs> Although it was fun recording it.
2: Liam Neeson, <laughs> so the thinking, inspiration.
1: <laughs> exactly. I like that. Yeah, I was really excited because I wanted to bring you into the series. It's very American. It's a you know, yeah. set in Las Vegas. It's, you know, drugs and, I mean, they're not using drugs, but there's sort of like this underpinning of like, Drugs and guns and all these nefarious things going on, and there's a, uh, a a murder for hire that occurred in years past, and the investigation has been reopened, and these four siblings, and you know, it has this very sort of American, um, you know, romantic suspense vibe to it. I was like, oh, I'm so bummed that I don't have a part oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait this character is gonna be irish now perfect uh so that's gonna be fun i haven't heard this yet i'm really excited to hear the files in a couple of weeks and that should come out in may but yeah then we have a bunch of things over the summer dear sexy ex-boyfriend is something that you're doing with andy arndt yes and that's gonna be duet style which i am really excited about i love the duet books i love hearing you guys together interacting with each other Uh, So I'm excited about that one, and then Andy and Joe are doing the next one in that series, and then we have even more exciting ones (laughs) for the second half of the year, that we can't tell you all the details now because it'll be more exciting if we just tease you. They're very
0: classified at the minute, <laughs>
1: exactly. uh,
0: and different, it'd be, I think it would be quite surprised yeah. some things, it's interesting,
2: yes. Yes.
0: Um, so that, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that, um, a lot, um, now, before I wrap this up, I wanted to see if you if were game, if I mentioned a narrator's name, I want to see the first thing that comes to your mind, since you know everyone's voices oh so well,
1: Uh, (laughs) It's going to be Stump the author. (laughs) It's a little bit, isn't
0: it? I thought about it. I was like, oh, I wonder what I'd like to hear. It doesn't, it could just be a word or it's like the first thing that comes to mind about, you know, when you think of that person's voice. Uh, And, you know, (laughs) we can always cut this out if you hate it.
1: (laughs) I will try Viviana will get my back.
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah.
1: Fuck up. (laughs) Uh, Uh,
0: There are no right or wrong answers. Uh, Anyway. So. Here we go. There's only nine of us. Um so Zachary Weber.
1: Oh, um tender, gentle, sexy. I'll give you three words, sorry.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> Sebastian York.
1: Um, uh, deep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <that's> very. <laughs> uh, Emma Wilder.
1: Ooh, she's very like after dark sensual.
0: Husky, right? That's how I always yeah. think of her as husky, yeah. although she said that means she's overweight or something. <laughs> husky doesn't mean... <laughs> I think she said on Twitter, she's like, uh, are you commenting? I was like, no, for a British person, that means, husky means you have that sexy, low, like, breathy thing going on. Anyway, <laughs> good old Emma, she's always good, good for a laugh. And Erin Mallon.
1: She's kind of a girl next door.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I agree. These are all great. Joe Arden.
1: He, oh, Joe can play, here's the thing about Joe. To me, he can play anything. <laughs> and and I have had him do that. Like, he's just, he's funny, he's versatile. He's got a growly, sexy voice. I've cast him in a ton of different roles. So I, it's nice to kind of have him in my arsenal to kind of play whatever, like he can yeah. kind of handle any role.
0: I'll give him props. Yeah, he's very versatile. And I was very impressed when we did instant gratification and he had to wrap that Shakespeare. Yes. <laughs> and he literally just, he just, did it and i because i saw that in the script and i was like oh fuck me i'm glad that's not me
2: uh,
0: <laughs> uh, and he just got up and did it and i was like that's very impressive um so yeah props to him um vanessa edwin
1: yeah i love her <laughs> i do thank you <laughs> i mean i think see the thing about vanessa is she has uh it's a very accessible voice. She just has like that right sort of pitch where I feel like mm. she can play any age that I need. But there's also just enough underlying sensuality that's yeah. going to be just right for whatever, whether it's an After Dark book, whether it's a romantic comedy, whether it's something angsty. So yeah, I, I love her.
0: Mm. Julia Whelan.
1: Ah, like <laughs> my, my favorite narrator. I, <laughs> I love, I probably listen to more books of hers than anyone else's.
0: Yeah, she is pretty uh, phenomenal. Um, and her voice can change as well, I feel. I've, yeah. She sounds very mature sometimes and then other times very young, uh, so but that's why. She, yeah, so she can bad.
1: play any age. She's very, mm. just very talented.
0: Jason Clark.
1: Oh, he's just got a great growly voice, but he's also so good at the vulnerable. It's, it's, a, really, it's a really nice mix with sexy and vulnerable.
0: Oh, sexy vulnerable. Um, yeah, I was surprised when I first heard him speak. I was like, oh, that's a really low voice. Right?
2: I thought I had a
0: quite a low voice, but I was like, "Oh no, I don't." Know. <laughs> in comparison to that, like, I'm in the middle. Um, and then, last but not least, Andy Arndt.
1: Oh, she's just she's my go-to heroine. I mean, she just gets my book. She gets my characters. She's very, very authentic and real. I I love her.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's anything about her voice that you won't like. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I feel. There's always like, yeah. it's always enjoyable regardless
1: and I feel like she understands my characters and my story every time and it kind of gets deeper every single time I'm like oh my god you like, you got it you understood what I was what I meant in every line which is which, we've worked on 20 books so yeah, yeah.
0: exactly um well listen I am gonna say thank you very much um unless there's anything else you wish to mention uh, I think we've covered a lot
1: no I'm good thank <laughs> you for inviting me
0: it's been my pleasure and i will just sign off by saying that i hope everyone's enjoyed this episode of audiobook Lovin'. Uh, you can follow us on all our social media platforms viviana whose podcast is this you can follow me East reads lauren blakely obviously you know is everywhere um, and also you can subscribe to the viviana enchantress of books newsletter and we will be doing more this and that so feel free to submit some of those this and that's for me shane uh, and thanks very much for listening Thank you for joining us on Shane East Meets, an audiobook-loving podcast special series brought to you by Viviana in Chartres of Books. For links and more info about today's episode or the audiobook-loving series, visit Viviana Books.com. And please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to the podcast if, and I really hope you did, you enjoyed today's episode.